welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Remember, as you make your travel plans for the holiday season, uh, go to johnnydollarair.com first. johnnydollarair.com is a Priceline affiliate, so you get all the benefits of going through Priceline.com, such as uh, naming your own price on hotels, rental cars, airline tickets, and even more. Just remember to check out johnnydollarair.com. Now it's time for today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air date, December the 6th, 1959. And this one is The Hired Homicide Matter. Johnny Dollar. Milford Advertising Agency in Denver, Colorado, Mr. Dollar. Advertising Agency? Mr. Horace W. Milford would like to speak with you. Hold on, please. Hello, Dollar. That's right, Mr. Milford. Yes, can you come out here to Denver to see me right away? Well, now, look, sir, if you're interested in buying commercial time on my weekly radio program, you'll have to contact CBS Radio in New York. No, Dollar, this is a purely personal matter that I wish to see you about, that I must see you about. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Milford, but unless there's insurance involved... Well, yes... Yes, there is. The uh, same company that's insured my life. One of the outfits I work with? Tri-Western Life Insurance Company? Yeah, that's one of my clients. Well, then, please, come out here right away. Well, I'd better check first with the company no. and get their authorization to... What was that? No, by all means, do not contact the insurance company. Do not get. Well, there's a little matter of my expense account. That will be taken care of most adequately. Okay, whatever you say. Now, what's this all about, Mr. Milford? Mr. Dollar. Here on the phone, I can only tell you it's a matter of preventing... Uh, yeah? Yes? Of preventing a murder. CBS Radio brings you Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To Mr. Horace W. No. No, to the Tri-Western Life Insurance Company. You'll see why later on. And following is the account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the hired homicide matter. Expense account item one, $77 plane fare. The big mainliner took off from Bradley Field in Hartford at 8.25 p.m. and set me down at Stapleton Field in Denver at the ungodly hour of 3.35 a.m. Item two, $5 for a cab into the Brown Palace Hotel where I added some sleep to the few hours I'd had aboard the plane. Breakfast was item three, $1.50. And then I walked over to the office of the Milford Advertising Agency on California Street. Horace W. Milford was tall, gray-haired, and with a very dignified bearing. He got to the point immediately, and yet in a kind of roundabout way. Mr. Dollar, I must emphasize that this whole thing must be completely confidential. Oh, well, now that depends. I will pay you well, very well. You sound as though there might be something illegal about whatever it is you want me to do. I can only hope that you can prevent something illegal from happening, something... Terribly wrong. You mentioned murder. I said 
prevent a murder. Who's, Mr. Melford? Yours? I'll be as brief as possible, Mr. Dollar. Time is of the essence. But first, you must know some background. Right ahead, sir. Since my wife passed away some years ago, this advertising business and my daughter Claire have been my sole interest in life. How old is Claire? She was 27 on her last... Uh, now, listen, please. I'm listening. I built this business by myself. Until two years ago, I made all the client contacts, planned the campaigns, wrote the copy. I bought the space and radio time, uh-huh. everything. And then Tony came along. Tony? Uh, Anthony Ferringer. He's my son-in-law. And he works for you, Mr. Milford? Out of pity for a young man who seemed to be struggling to make his way in the world, I gave him a job. Oh. And then by way of repaying me, I thought... He brought the Bonar Electronics account to this office. Bonar Electronics Corporation. Yeah, I've heard of them. Pretty big outfit, I understand. It means annual billings of some $2 million to us. That's a sizable advertising account. Now, the point is... Well, he told me later that his means of getting it were somewhat unorthodox. Unethical is a better word. Now, how do you mean? He told me that he had something on officers of the Bonar organization, that he threatened exposure and ruinous scandal if he weren't permitted to handle their advertising here. Well, now that doesn't seem possible with a big company. But thanks largely to my own efforts and ideas, we have established them as one of the most important companies in their field. (laughs) Don't ever underestimate the value of advertising, huh? Yes, to the public as well as to the company. Yeah. Once I took over the account, Young Tony was content to sit around, collect his salary and a big commission and do nothing. Uh-huh. Nothing, that is, but constantly remind me that he had brought the business here. I see. But, now. Mr. Dollar, were the account suddenly to go to some other agency, it would ruin me. Oh, how so? Buying this building, setting up the organization adequately to service such an account cost me everything I had. I'm not a young man anymore. Well, is somebody else gunning for Bonar Electronics? Oh, far worse than that. Uh, Mr. Dollar. Now, wait a minute, please. I'm afraid we've got far away from the subject of murder that you talked about. Mr. Dollar, far worse than his simply falling down on the job is the fact that Tony Ferringer, against my will, mind you, because I knew him well enough not to trust him, courted and eloped with my daughter. Well, now, Mr. And it wasn't because he loved her, believe me. It was only a further step in a plan to get his hands on this advertising business of mine. You're sure of that? He had the nerve, the audacity to say so himself. I can see him now sitting right there where you are with a smirk on his face, blandly telling me that now that he'd lost her, he'd have to resort to other tactics. That he'd have to take this important account away from me by opening his own agency and that I couldn't stop him. Wait a minute, please. You said lost her. What did you mean by that? Because of his duplicity, what he'd done to me. Because of the miserable way he treated and tortured her. Claire, my daughter, my only child. Claire took her own life. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, the shock of it almost killed me, Dollar. Tony Ferringer was bringing my whole life crashing and crushing down upon my head. I hated him. With every fiber of my being, I, I was beside myself. Mr. I could Milford. see only one thing left for me Mr. to do. Milford, please. But then, leading up then to my I clients at Bonar came to me two days ago, and they told me they realized what had happened and why. And they assured me there was nothing Tony could do or say that would hurt them and that they would stand by me. Well, that... Straightened me out, Mr. Dollar. It made me realize that killing Tony, that there was was no point, no use in it. Well, I'm glad of that, sir. But then I'm afraid I don't see why you sent for me. Because it was too late. What? Because I had already hired a man, a professional killer. To murder him? Yes. Well, then, good heavens, man, call him off. I can't. Sure, get in touch with him and... 
What do you mean you can't? There's no possible way for me to reach him, contact him. Until after he's murdered Tony Ferringer. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Hired Homicide Matter. You mean there's no way to reach this hired killer to call him off to tell him not to murder Tony Ferringer? No, none whatever. But look here, you can't just Mr. stand... Mr. Dollar, when the only thing I wanted in life was to see him dead for all the terrible things he did to me and to my daughter, I went about arranging it very carefully. How? By means I don't need to go into here, I finally established a contact in the, in the underworld here in Denver. Sort of a stool pigeon, I suppose you'd call him, a man named... Eric Blinker. Yeah, yeah. For a price, Blinker had the killer contact me at my home. Do you know the name of this killer? Well, he only told me that if he felt it necessary to phone me or to contact me in any way before the job was done, he would identify himself as Blackie. Oh, great, great. Then the only thing you can do is contact this Eric Blinker again. No. And tell him to call off Blackie. Have Blackie get in touch with you. No, Mr. What do you mean, no? Eric Blinker's body was found floating down the Platte River yesterday afternoon. Just before I called you. Oh. Oh, but don't you see, Mr. Dollar? Unless we can somehow contact this Blackie, he'll go ahead with the murder. The murder I arranged. It must not happen. All right, how much do you know about Blackie? What does he look like? I don't know. But you just finished telling me that he called on you to make arrangements for the killing. He came to my home at night. He insisted on talking to me from outside a window where I couldn't see him. I couldn't see him. All right, did you give him any money? $5,000 in cash. Marked? Huh? Marked bills? No. Oh, fine. Well, he said that if any of the money was marked in any way, that he would know about it and that he wouldn't hesitate to kill me. All right. When was he to do the job? He would only say by the end of the week. And this is Friday. This is Friday. And you can't give me anything to go on to find this man Blackie? Nothing. Unless he calls. Well, if that happens, you don't need me. Mr. Milford. Yes? Have you... Have you told Tony Ferringer anything of this? Good heavens, Dollar. You don't know the man. Can't you see what would surely happen if I did? He would bleed me for everything I have. Me, accessory to a plot to murder him. Don't you see what that means? Yeah, sure I do. And if you were to call in the police, it would be just as... Oh, yeah, Mr. Milford, you've really stuck your neck in a noose. Uh, somehow you, you've got to get me out of this. You? What about Tony? Right guy or wrong, he's the one who's going to be killed. Well, I, I meant stop this thing. I, I don't want his blood on my hands, not anymore. Somehow you've got to stop this killing. Oh, yeah, sure, great. But how? You got any good ideas? <sighs> hey, a phony telegram, something like that. What? Yeah, some kind of a message telling Tony to get out of town. But if it weren't to reach him soon enough, or if he were to disregard it. Hmm. If you were to go to the police. Oh, I'd sooner kill myself. I might as well. Or contact them. An anonymous warning, maybe. There is only one place from which Tony Ferringer might expect trouble. From me. Mr. Milford. Well... Oh, I, I don't know. So so help me, I don't know. I'm I'm not even sure you deserve help after what you've done. I I beg you, Mr. Dollar. Hey, you you tell me on the phone there's insurance involved in all this. Well, when he first came with me, Tony had his life insured. He named some distant relative as the beneficiary. Through try, try Western Life? Yes. 
But he didn't even name Claire in it when he married her. Yeah, well, that's beside the point now. Do you have an idea, Mr. Dollar? Something, some way... No, no, no. I was just thinking it's not only your neck I've got to look out for now, but I've got to keep the insurance company from having to pay off on Tony. You, You could watch over him. Oh, yeah, sure. Sit on his lap for 24 hours a day without his knowing it. Where is he now? I don't know. Oh, where does he live? Well, then you will watch over him. Oh, we'll see. Scribble down his address and phone number for him. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, he, he lives at 425. Now, what does he look like? Uh, about the same height and weight that you are. Uh, here. My right, good. 425. But his hair and complexion are somewhat different. Tony! That's right, Papa. And who are you, mister? I take it you're Tony Ferringer. That's right. Oh, Tony. Oh, listen, you old fool. I just found out you spoiled my chances of starting my own agency. That you can't bone our electronics into staying with you. No, no, it's because you lied to me about the way you got us that account. Oh, but so Tony, you that... finally caught on. Now, Tony, will you listen to you me? You listen to me. I'm not going to let you get away with this. Please, Tony. Or maybe you will. Maybe I can't stop you. But believe me. Believe me, you're going to pay me plenty. Now, Tony, will you How? please? Why? I haven't figured that out yet. But you'll pay me, Papa. Just remember that. Wait. Oh, dear. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to do. Just keep your shirt on, Mr. Milford. Yeah. What? Yeah. And wish me luck. <laughs> Item two, five dollars for a taxi that followed Tony Farringer's car to a residential section east of town. And sure enough, he pulled up in front of his own home. Maybe... Maybe the wild, the crazy idea that I'd suddenly got back there in the office would work. Driver. Yeah? End of the line. Pull around this corner and stop. All right, here. Here's a five spot. Stick around for a while. Instead of walking up to Tony's front door, I sneaked around to the back, half hidden by a hedge at the side. I hoped that none of the neighbors would see me and raise a fuss or report me as a prowler. I rang the buzzer at the back door, then stood aside, flat against the wall, so that whoever opened it wouldn't see me. I hoped. Yes? Yes? Hello, somebody ring this door buzzer. Yes! And now... Now, if the rest of this wild plan works out, in you go, Tony. of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. After wasting some fine scotch whiskey pouring it on Tony Ferringer's clothes, item three was another five to the cabbie for helping me haul my apparently drunken friend to a cheap rooming house over on the other side of town. A place run by a frowsy old dame who called herself Ma Letcher. Here, mister. Just carry him up and let him sleep it off in this room here at the top of the stairs. Here, I'll open it up for you. Yeah, thanks. You ask me, somebody must have hit him with a bottle. Here you are. Well, you can lay him onto the bed. This room will cost you a buck and a half, though. All right, here. Here's a fire spot. Well, thanks. And who do I tell him? And here's another for telling him a, a taxi driver brought him in here. Somebody you never saw before. Oh, don't worry. I know how to keep my mouth shut. When I get 
paid for it. Paid good, that is. Okay, I'll make it ten here. Well, mister, you ain't got a worry in the world. Wanna bet? Item four, a dollar ten for another cab back to Tony Ferringer's house. Again, hoping none of the neighbors would see me, I let myself in the back door with a key I'd taken out of his pocket. I figured all I could do now was sit around and wait until the killer showed up. But as I walked through the doorway into the living room... Just hold it. And don't turn around, mister. Hands up high. Blackie? That's right, Blackie. Well, carrying a gun, huh? No, don't turn around. Just walk over to that bench now and sit down. The piano bench. There, in front of you. Now, look, if you think I'm Tony Farringer... Sit down. Now, keep facing that way. Well, I suppose I haven't got much choice. I know you're not Tony. But you know who I am. That means you know what I was hired for. That means you know too much. All right, now listen, Blackie. Face can... front. I was afraid Eric Blinker might talk. But I didn't dump him in the river soon enough. And listen. I'm listening. You think I won't get Tony? Well, you're wrong. I saw you take him into that crummy rooming house. I saw what you did to him, too. He won't be moving out of there for a while. That means I have plenty of time. Hey, Blackie, So, mister, I hate to do a killing without getting paid for it. But as long as you know so much, well, I'm afraid you don't give me much choice, do you? Are you talking for your own amusement? I'm giving you a chance to say your prayers. If you still know how. Hey, Blackie, look, we can... front. Well, what difference does it make? What? If I should see you, I mean. If you're going to kill me... Let's just say I prefer it this way. Are you ready? (laughs) Are you kidding? You think you're going to get away with this? I'm absolutely sure of it. And I asked you... Do you think I'd come here looking for you without taking precautions? I think you've said enough. Now, do you feel this gun in the back of your head? I could tell by his voice that he stood directly behind me. I put my right heel tightly against the leg of the piano bench. And then as I felt the cold muzzle of his gun against the back of my head, I suddenly dropped to the floor, kicking the bench against his... Well, Blackie... I'm afraid your rather unique career has finally come to an end. Listen, if you... Down, boy. Down! Nailing Blackie for the murder of Eric the Stooley made it easy for me to keep Mr. Milford out of the picture completely. Nor did Blackie talk. Some cold in the underworld, I guess. As for the expense account, well, in view of the fee that was handed to me, you can forget it. Tony Farringer, incidentally, never did quite know what happened to him. Now, will somebody please give me a nice, clean case to work on? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Marvin Miller, Lawrence Dobkin, and Russell Thorson. 
Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking. Johnny Dollar has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. I actually really love that uh, action scene, how Johnny gets out and the gun uh, held on him. It would have been a difficult piece of choreography to capture on film. But it's a superb and gutsy move. I think that uh, many others, including some of our detective heroes, might not have made it out of this situation quite as well. It was funny that it turned out he wasn't actually... collecting an expense account, which means he disclosed his client's uh, participation in a murder-for-hire scheme just because he has a habit of doing the expense accounts. But uh, at least he prevented the murder from going forward, and this is actually a pretty original script idea. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have a couple questions from Scott. Uh, He uh, writes... I enjoy your podcast on Johnny Dollar and about a year behind, but me, uh, being I just turned 50, I was wondering what is the average age of most of your listeners? Well, as they say on the Family Feud, survey says 46 to 55. And he was surprised that uh, he thought it would be older. And we do have some people... Uh, older than that. In fact, the 56 to 65 group is our second highest number of listeners. But the number of listeners at older age groups, uh, it drops off pretty precipitously. 
and that may be just because uh, less likelihood of adopting the technology to listen to the program. And we do have uh, quite a few uh, younger listeners. We have almost as many uh, listeners, uh, according to the survey, between the ages of uh, 36 to 45, as we do the 56 to 65 group. So it's a mix, but yeah, the 46 to 55 is kind of uh, the sweet spot, I think, for our, our average listener age. And he also said, as a lover of history in the World War II era, I just heard on Johnny Dollar that you do something called the war. Where do I find that as I listen on your podcast? And the address you go to is thewar.greatdetectives.net. Or you can, uh, of course, always search the iTunes store. And uh, I encourage folks to listen to the war. It is... From start to finish, it's just a very uh, emotional experience. Uh, went went through this. We, we started out with some pre-war stuff, showing kind of the anti-war feelings that uh, dominated prior to World War II, and then moved forward all the way into the war itself and to the post-war era to kind of capture the whole feel of it. It's a powerful podcast. It's something that I think in many ways, or at least in a couple ways, is kind of... Uh, affected the way that I view the world and by looking back at that era as well as what led to the rise of various powers who shook the world. Uh, I I strongly encourage, yeah, thewar.greatdetectives.net. Thanks so much for the question, Scott. All right, that'll do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Dragnet. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.